four corners. Imagine a world without four corners. Well, we're already having to live in a world without late line. I really miss I late miss line. I miss it too. It does make you think and reflect about the power of sport to change the way people might view Indigenous people. Our media is so white, our football media. That is one area where there is no excuse for it not to be more representative of the players on the field. It really affected us and I know that when you go to the grounds this weekend there'll be, you know, can shaking and all of that. So please just have a think I about... Think it's called tin rattling, not can shaking. Can shaking? Shake the cans? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, that just conjures up another whole mental picture, which I just think I'll forget about now. Sorry, Corrie. Okay. Sorry. I'll go back to the tins. <laughs> Shall I? Clean it up. You're blushing, Caro. And I'm just disgusted by both of them. And it just again makes me feel so sick that he was actually Deputy Prime Minister. Oh, he has to leave Parliament, Caro. He cannot survive this. Just this is, go. Just go. go, Barnaby. We're not interested. Go away. You're a fool. Don't Shoot the Messenger podcast with Caroline Wilson and Corey Perkin. Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 41 of Don't Shoot the Messenger. I'm Caroline Wilson, and I'm here with my dear friend, the bookseller extraordinaire, fresh from a long weekend away, Corey Perkin. Hi, Caro. How are you going today? You were getting a bit grumpy. You were getting a bit oh. titchy, weren't you? Was I? <laughs> You had that sort of, well, when you work 12 days in a row or 18 days in a row or however many days in a row. No, it was that garage sale at the shop that did my head in. Look, I was grumpy. In fact, every family member, even the ones on the telephone from Ballarat and Sydney said, you were right last week. (laughs) In fact, Will just said, Mum, I'll call you back when you're in a better mood. It was time for a breather. We did get um, one lovely evening for Coastal Scrabble and Champagne, which I think I won actually, but we won't talk too much about that. Only just, only just. I won at the last minute. Now we've got plenty to talk about today. We're concerned about the ABC. We think there are some improvements that could be made, not so much to Indigenous round at the AFL, but to the AFL's Indigenous policies per se. We're going to talk about the Ice Bucket Challenge. We're going to talk about that interview on Sunday night on Australian television. A great new show on the ABC. Oh, Corrie, there's Roseanne Barr. You've got a really interesting crush of the week. And for once, I completely agree with you and some fascinating questions. And you're going to talk about an Australian icon or at least a a Victorian icon in your book. But can I just get some literary housekeeping done first of all? I have a couple of apologies, which I'm told our listeners actually really love when we have to own up and do the mere culp. Yeah, I mean, we should think more clearly about this because I don't think I make nearly enough. But this is more of an apology to you, Corrie, because about a month ago, you referenced a new children's book by Alex Rance, which is doing great guns in my bookshop by Corrie Perkin. And um, you told me about it. You held it up. I said it was a lovely picture and you gave your little spiel. And I thought, oh, yes. Well, then the publisher sent me a copy. Corrie, this is a beautiful book. I told you. It's actually an allegory of the Richmond Premiership. Oh, well, but it is. It is no, Corey. Don't laugh. No, Jane, well, Jane's out there laughing herself sick because, it's of course, true. I gave up my copy to her for her child. So it's just... you don't have to be a Richmond supporter to get it. But I heard him interviewed recently, and they asked him which character um, was the monkey, and he said, "Well, that's Jack Rebolt." And I and you, you read it, and it's a story of this group of sort of. A sort of a motley group of misfits, yes, probably different misfits, animals in the jungle, who all try to be someone they're not, mm. and then they all decide to be who they really are. And is there all... is there a Mrs. Hardwick? I didn't get that far in the story. 
<laughs> no, but there, there is a greyhound, I think, called Mrs Hardwick, who's been banned for taking steroids, which is slightly controversial. Um, anyway, it's a beautiful book. Alex Vance is in a bit of trouble this week because he's staged in the Dreamtime game, and that's a big no-no in footy. So that was the big talk on Monday, the big um, water cooler topic on Monday. Everything else was positive about Richmond. I also need to not so much apologise about a review I did. It's a review of The Trauma Cleaner, yes, our next book club book. Now, I probably should have mentioned that I said this is about an extraordinary woman, Sandra Pankhurst, who leads this amazing team, again, rather motley, unusual team of people who come in and clean up houses and rooms and homes after death or massive hoarding issues or drug overdoses. Now, people were a bit horrified I didn't mention the fact that Sandra is a transgender trauma cleaner and, in fact, was a husband and father before she became a she. Yes, but so, we can just call her a woman, can't we? Well, I just... I noted, I, uh, because I knew that about this story, and I just carried on in my merry way when you said that last week, because well, I don't think that we have to sort of say that every time, do we? No, I, it, had a, it was just a few people have asked me to, to clarify that, as though right, it might affect clarified. whether or not you decide to read the book. And thank you for the bumper list of books you gave me to take away on my soon-to-be oh, well, um, look-forward-to-sojourn. Happy, happy birthday for this week. I hope you have a lovely celebration in whichever European country you're in, Caroline. I have a couple of apologies, Caro. Firstly, to my two daughters. Uh, you remember um, last week, um, uh, under under great sort of pain and sufferance, I gave away the name of the Ubut website, Christy Dawn, for oh, the vintage dresses. Pa- oh. You pushed me and pushed me until I gave it away. Did and you I blame said me? It, I said it was Francesca. Well, Francesca was actually really cross because now the whole world will be, you know, taking our outfits. Um, but it was actually Coco. Coco rang me and said, I'm listening to your podcast. And it was me, exclamation oh. mark. So it was Coco's fine. Oh, Sorry Coco, yet again. Sorry, Flops. You know, <laughs> deserve the credit that you didn't get. <laughs> yes, I'm quite Sorry about that little one. Um, and the other thing is apparently last week when I was talking about Goldie's Anzac biscuits, which I gather on Facebook um, have gone off. Well, not really, literally. We didn't have a plate there, but people are sort of downloading the recipe, which is great. That's the reason we do it. I said, place instead of saying place your oats on a greased baking tray, apparently I said place your goats. Oh, I so I just want to, you know, well, say clearly. that. I, I mean, I don't even quite. remember that. <laughs> Whoever's had a go at you about that is being a bit finicky. And as I and I did apologise last week when we were talking about Maya and I kept referring to Mecca Cosmetica, the store within the store. I actually did mean Mac and I did say that on you air too. I corrected yeah. it. But about three or four people have said, oh, well, you didn't, you know, Mac, Mecca Cosmetica. Anyway, yep, got that one. Thank you, everybody. We Corrie, had a nice... People are just trying to be helpful. There's no need to impersonate um, them in that rude way. <laughs> <laughs> and I also received um, this from... From Swishall Do, this was via Twitter. Hello, congrats on bringing up 40 episodes. I think that Corrie may have misused the expression hoi polloi. It generally means the common people who probably weren't visiting Dennis Savile's gallery, unlike, say, the upper crust. Yes, we shall do. I take that on board completely. It was an error. I was overexcited in my storytelling. I should have said the rich and famous of Melbourne, not the hoi polloi. Um, Yeah, I'm surprised I didn't pick you up on that one. And I don't think we'll be using the words hoi polloi on this podcast either, Corrie. I think that's a bit... (laughs) I don't think that's really our style. Well, I did last week. And there are just a couple. I'm always sort of interested in what people are doing when they're listening to you and I yak on. And Doreen Fernie, who's a really supportive um, follower and listener and often comments, she said, thanks for another great podcast, got me through my walk. And Gillian Edney said, this will get me through my ironing and keep me updated and fully entertained. Thank you, messengers. So we say thank you back, Gillian. It's one chore I really don't enjoy, ironing. 
Oh, no, vacuum, I ha- vacuuming, didn't I hate we, words. Didn't we once do this in six quick questions, what's your least favourite domestic yep. chore? And I said cleaning up the fridge. Oh, no, I don't mind that. It's a great feeling at the end. I actually oh. don't mind that. When, but when something like something honey or syrupy gets down the back of the yeah, fridge but you and you just, have to get your the, scour out. I, I did this last week. I, you know, Anna from the Op Shop sister, Julie, calls it running down the fridge when you're going away. And I was running down the fridge, which is really hard when you live my with... My mother used to say that. ...with a young gourmet chef that my daughter Clementine is because every time I run down the fridge, she comes home with more she kale runs it up and again. spinach <laughs> and again. some unheard of other greens and grains, etc. But um, I threw out so much stuff and I washed out jars and I put jars away in my jar cupboard and I put big things of spices into little things. I cleaned out the spice drawer. Oh, it was my happiest day. Oh, can you come and do mine then? Mm, probably. I, I don't think it's... I'll easy. do your ironing if you do my fridge. I don't think it's enjoyable when you do it to other people. Sorry. <laughs> now, Corrie, um, I, I did an episode of The Offsiders on the weekend. Yes. And was at the... Which is, of course, that... I think it's a very good ABC sports show, initially hosted. It's the 13th year of the show, believe it or not. The Insiders started a year or two before that. It was an idea um, dreamed up by Barry Cassidy and his wife, Heather Hewitt, on a holiday overseas. And he has, well, he anchored both shows initially. Gerard Waitley took over the Offsiders, I suppose, about five or six years ago. He's now left to go and run the morning show on SEN and Kelly Underwood has taken over. It's been seamless. But look, there are people very worried about what's going on at the ABC and because a few of us gathered round after the show yesterday to farewell Thelma, a wonderful, wonderful makeup artist who was, well, not retiring, but um, doing a bit less. People just seem concerned about the independent issue and the funding issue. Oh, look, Carol, it's just been shocking. I don't know whether people have really kind of clocked onto this, but I can tell you when there is an election coming up, we'll all hear about it. They've cut the, the budget a couple of weeks ago. They cut $84 million over the next three years from the ABC. But they have this thing in government, and I know about this very well because I used to be in government working at the gallery. They have these things called efficiency reviews, efficiency dividends. So, in fact, that enables the government or the department to whom you know your organisation defers to come through and actually make more cuts even if they're not part of the budget, strictly speaking. So the, the ABC is just so vulnerable. It's running itself not on a shoestring, I wouldn't say that, but any more cuts, they're going to look at newsrooms, in international correspondence, all the things that we love, children's programming, all the things that we love about the ABC and the reasons we go there. Four Corners, imagine a world without Four Corners. Well, we're already having to live in a world without Late Line. I really miss I Late miss Line. I miss it too. Even though I go to bed early, I used to sometimes tape it. If they if, if they advertised or promoted a good topic coming up, I would often press the record button. It was like a friend for me. A friend, when you got home a bit late from work or whatever, just pop it on and, and there it was. And some of the international interviews that they did over the years were absolutely brilliant. But, um, you know, the, the failure to really stand up for Emma Alberici over all the economic stuff she did early in this year when um, Malcolm Turnbull and his government attacked her. It, it is of great concern. Um, I hope Michelle Guthrie is strong enough well, uh, to stand up. Well, interesting, Caro, you know, something has actually galvanised everybody um, and they're all kind of jumping onto the same side, including um, Michelle Guthrie and also the chairman of the ABC, um, whose name escapes me at the moment, Justin, I can't remember his surname. Anyway, um, they're all rushing to the defence of the ABC and this is because on Monday last week a new book was released called Against Public Broadcasting, Why We Should Privatise the ABC and How We Should Do It. 
by two right-wing thinkers, academics Chris Berg and Professor Sinclair Davidson. And um, they, the chairman's Justin Milne. Justin, by the way. thank you, Justin Milne. That's right. Well, Justin Milne actually actually wrote a terrific piece in your newspaper and the Sydney Morning Herald, um, saying that the ABC is an organisation known intimately to every Australian, and we all have an opinion on it. And yeah, that's absolutely right. And the letters pages says Justin newspapers contain a steady stream of bouquets and brickbats for public broadcasting. Yet, according to pollsters, with around eighty percent of support, the ABC is the most trusted media organisation in the country by a very wide margin. So they did a news poll, uh, it was just over a year ago, I think. Look, They questioned maybe 2,000, nearly 2,000 people about what were their feelings about the ABC. 80% said they couldn't live without it, that they had a really favourable or totally in favour of response somewhere in there. So when you think about it, there's, I can't think of any other me- media organisation, possibly the BBC in England, but I can't think of one that would have that... Um, so loved and that sense of ownership that we have. There are some people like my father who sort of bitch and moan about some of the shows they have on. Like we'll be watching some brilliant um, British drama and I'll go, isn't this great, Dad? And he'll go, oh, it shouldn't be on the ABC though. That's not, that's not what it's here for. He's very anti-ABC. He, he, he sees it as, you know, your commie left wing. <laughs> you know? Well, and- so do people from the IPA who are trying to sort of kill it really it's inc- it's just look it's just shocking so carol i've always been for a few years um a, a friend of the abc and in fact for a little while there i was hooked in by our friend ranald mcdonald a former um managing director of the age and so on and, and an abc announcer himself for several years he pulled me into the friends of the abc network and they're a good good-hearted hard-working, not like they make no money and they do it all as a, on a volunteer thing. And they have such a fan club. And so today, actually, I thought, put your money where your mouth is. So I went into, um, well, I went into, because I'm a lapsed member, I went in and I bought another three-year membership and I made a donation to their um, fighting fund. Um, How much does it cost to be a member? Well, there's different. You can join for a year as an individual for $30. There's also a family and a household. I think it might be 50 And then if you join for three years, which I did, it was 90 I think it was. Um, and then I made, I think my donation was $100. Not very much. It's not going to change the world. But I just felt I really, I really believe in this media organisation. I think we should do as much as we can to keep the Pauline Hansons and the and Mitch Pfeiffer and all the all the ministers and Turnbull and everybody hands off our ABC. Interestingly, Bill Shorten has come out and said he will, his government will support more funding for the ABC. Well, he should take a stand because if that's Malcolm Turnbull's legacy, it will be a shameful legacy. And then speaking of the age, I'd refer you to a, a great column written about a week and a half ago by Tony Wright, he, who I know you're a big fan of. He wrote a, a brilliant column, went right inside the people who've come onto the board and whether they're the right people and whether they're going to be strong enough. And he has major concerns about the CVs of some of them. Just on a completely shallow and gossipy level, you know how we really love Barry and Heather, you know, how they're our golden couple. We love them. We love them. And they're, they're, they're now occasionally there are articles about them in country style. Oh, Heather's, <laughs> Heather's got a new series of back roads starting in a couple of weeks. I mean, which I just think is a great show. I think Barry this week did a uh, that Julia Zamiro show. Oh, back to where you came from. He goes back to Chiltern. So, you know. Carrie, they're doing Patty Newton. Why is Patty Newton famous and why does she get to go on that show? Well, 
why isn't she? She's married to the most famous TV star in the country. Oh, anyway, I interrupted you. I just don't think Patty's ever done anything other than when she was little Patty singing a few years ago. She wasn't little television. Patty. That was a different oh, Patty. Patty. <laughs> Corrie, Patty Newton was an old hoofer from way back. She's been a great performer over many years. I just thought, oh, that's oh, going down the slide of celebrityism. If oh, Patty, no, she's if Patty one of, Newton is Patty Newton's one of the nicest women you'll ever oh, meet. Oh, I, I agree and about she's that. Smart. I'm not saying she's not nice. I'm just saying what qualifies you to get on the show. Anyway, sorry, I interrupted well, you. Well, anyway, Heather was, was you know a bit nervous, and I said, what, what ABC, you know, budget cuts, you know, she could know. Well, Barry and I have actually done we've done an interview for the Women's Weekly. <laughs> I can't wait. Comes out next month, because you know to promote backroads, of, of course. course. And they talked about their relationship, and, and yeah, they brought down. I mean, I don't think you'll mind me saying this. They brought down all these clothes for her to wear, like you know, check tops and you know, special boots. And Heather said, "I'm sorry, I don't. I just don't wear that sort of stuff." But she said she has posed on the old haystack for the article, so I'm really looking forward to reading. What about it. the photographer from the Age who we were having our photo taken for an article a couple of weeks ago? And I wore the ever to be mentioned every time we're on this show. That the outfit. never to be mentioned <laughs> ever, suit. always the outfit that I was not supposed to buy, and I did. And um, so I've got the outfit on, and uh, where you and I are walking in the park, and the photographer said, "Oh, look, Dal, have you got a coat you can put on?" And you put on my like, <laughs> my coat that was in the back I said, seat. No, of I have my, my very expensive. <laughs> you were very good about it. And I would have been outfit. much more princessy than that. Well. You know, you know. Look, I thought you, it is nice. That's the Naomi watch that she designed for Sportscraft. About two, it's two winters you ago. Have a that very coach. nice coat, but my Anna Thomas was quite nice I too. Know. And you well, say it, I'll cover it up, Dal. It doesn't look wintry enough. No one oh. will see it now, Cory. Now, did you go to the Dreamtime game? On no, Saturday? I didn't. I did watch three or four of the games on the telly, though. Tigers had a big win. Oh, really, Caro? Significant win. Yeah, well, the Hawks' win was pretty terrific too at the last minute. Heart, was, heart in mouth. Yeah, heart in that mouth. was, and I tip port. Silly old me. So what do you think? Do you think this Indigenous round is a good idea? I certainly, look, from, from a uh, the punter at home's point of view, I think it is really good because the networks, Foxtel and Channel 7, they surrounded their coverage with lots of interviews about the topic, uh, profiles of Indigenous players. So, and from an awareness point of view, I think it really works. But it does make you think and reflect about the power of sport, particularly to change our, the way you know people might view Indigenous people. Well, that's true. It's actually called the Sir Doug Nichols Round now, and I think it's great. It's got a name. That was a initiative of Jason Mifsud, the AFL's former highest-ranking Indigenous official. That person is now Tanya Ho. She's more senior than Jason. She's, in fact, an executive on the AFL. The former, she worked for the um, Reconciliation. I will check that because there are two different ones. But anyway, she was a very high-profile, socially active Indigenous executive, and she's now at the AFL based in Adelaide. My concern is that we made such inroads back in the mid-90s when Damien Monkhurst at that first big Anzac Day game mm. made those comments to Michael Long and, you know, the AFL led the way in the racial and religious And that was just a few years after the Nicky Winmar lifting the Guernsey All episode. of that, exactly, a couple of years after that. I just wonder how far we've come. Now, clearly, Indigenous footballers make up 10% of our list. We are happy to welcome them into our game and our game suits them and they suit it. You know, nobody has, I think contributed more in terms of I mean it, it's not a cliche there is something magical about the way Indigenous footballers play it's great to see we have one Indigenous captain at the moment in Stephen May the Gold Coast co-captain 
but there are still only three Indigenous coaches across the entire competition and clubs number in total probably 170, 180 coaches. Now, that's just not good enough. It's less than it has ever been, or it's just gone up by one. But, it, it, you know, back in the day, you know, Barry Cable, who did identify, was a senior AFL coach. We've now got three Indigenous board members. But I, I just watched the footy from starting from the previous Sunday when Melbourne played in Alice Springs and why they didn't wear their Indigenous jumper this week. It was a bit confusing. It was weird. It was mm. just it was silly. They trot out Gilbert McAdam, who is a really good Indigenous commentator and obviously a former St Kilda great, and they bring him out for Indigenous round. I mean, why? Just give we, him a job. Our media is so white, our football media, and it is not that, – that is one area – where there is no excuse for it not to be more representative of the players on the field because former players go into commentary roles. I worked for some years on 3AW with Chris Johnson. He's now working in an off-field role in footy, a senior off-field role. That's great. But I cannot understand why we don't have more Indigenous Australians. We had the Marn Grook show, which was on the ABC, and now it's um, it's become – look, let's face it, it's sort of a second-channel thing now. It's a great show. And Shelley and Layla and all the gang are absolutely brilliant. But I, I don't understand why none of them are working in high-profile roles on Fox Footy, which has finally introduced more women into their programming, or Channel 7. So it's a bit like uh, the same argument where Australia's having at the moment about women on corporate, corporate, corporate boards. So, you know, do you appoint on merit or do you really be proactive in trying to find... Uh, the missing link, which is women. There are too few women on boards. And you go out and find the right person or who you think or hope is the right person. Have you done your due diligence in checking that that person has all the credentials? Um, and we're thinking of Catherine Brennan at AMP there. Um, she's, you know, there's just been a barrage of articles since she stepped down from her role about whether she was an appropriate appointment to chair the board. Well, I've, I've seen a few male inappropriate appointments too, so I don't actually have a huge issue with that. I, I think quotas, sometimes you have to be proactive to just quotas get it are the going. way to go. Mm. And and Jason Mifsud, and by the way, some um, recognise was the organisation that Tanya was. Um, very, or she was a senior executive there. But Jason Mifsud pushed for a, a Rooney Rule type introduction into the AFL. The Rooney Rule works in American football where when you interview for a coaching position, you have to interview a certain amount of black Americans before you make a choice in who's going to be the coach. Now, you don't have to appoint the black American, but you have to interview them. And I think that that's what should happen in footy. I think that would go a long way. And I, I wrote on the weekend about the search for the first Indigenous commissioner. And I almost think it's a pity that the new Indigenous commissioner won't just go on to the commission replacing yes, an outgoing I one. That. I thought you made the point really well in your article about that. It does it make it, a it bit does, of tokenism. Yeah, it does a bit. It, it is a bit uncomfortable. But there is a lot of racism in the air, Caro, and this, you know, we just touched last week on Roseanne Barr's um, ABC show in America being cancelled after she tweeted racist comments about um, President Obama's former advisor, Valerie Jarrett. Um, they were racist. Oh, it was shocking. She said she Muslim Brotherhood and Planet of the Apes had a baby and then VJ, which was just absolutely shocking. And oh. then she blamed the medical company. for the, And then the drug company came back and said, our drug does have side effects, but racism is not one of them. <laughs> which is a good comment. Which I thought it was a great comment. <laughs> but it's just the, the worrying thing here is that um, when, the, when the tweet first went out before, she had, before the show had been axed, in that little tiny moment, of course, President Trump sees the opportunity and he describes 
described the show, you know, it's a great show because it's about us. And it has prompted a whole wave of discussion in the American, not just the small L liberal press, I have to say, media, also Fox and Friends and those, they're all talking about, well, if this is us, are we happy with who us is? Such an interesting story. It's really um, sparked something off over there. Yeah, well, I'm glad they cancelled her show. Oh, because as I said last week, I, I'm not a fan. I've never really got her humour. Ever since she performed that dreadful version of the national anthem, oh, she's just, she's a pretty ordinary human being, the old Roseanne. I'm not a fan. The worrying thing too is that the ABC thought, oh, we'll bring her back. They knew exactly what they were getting. You know, she's been a bigoted racist all her life. Why would she suddenly change? But the mood of Donald Trump's America a year ago kind of made it okay to commission a new series. I don't think they would have done that five years ago. But now, of course, they've seen the error of their ways. So we're very happy about that. But they're just, just finally, there does seem to be this fear of calling something racism, calling it for what it is. Dare I say, a bit like the Adam Goods situation. You know, and Adam Goods went to the footy on the weekend. He's, he was in a corporate box. He stood near the back. He barely watched the game. He presented the medal named in his honour in Michael O'Loughlin's, but he won't go to the footy again this year. Oh, that's just tragic. At this stage. And he is certainly not prepared to be the AFL's first Indigenous commissioner. And um, it's just how the AFL allowed that to happen and why Mike Fitzpatrick still won't put his hand up and Mitty made a blue is just beyond me. Now, it, it's the um, bit of footy talk today, Corrie. Well, Caro, I wanted to put on a rundown list. You have rather is, made you know, it. And I didn't want to – well, actually, I do want to go over all ground again with you because I think potties still find this um, – the episode, episode of a couple of years ago, it is still perplexing um, and, you know, I don't see a lot of stuff changing, I have to say. But do you remember the Ice Bucket Challenge for Motor Neuron Disease uh, Fund Awareness and Community Awareness two years ago with the Ice Bucket Challenge and Eddie McGuire and the boys were talking about on air and they suggested that they should um, stick you in a bucket of ice and do a few things to you. It was not a very attractive time. Oh, look, I think it's probably... For that radio Yeah, network. look, it's definitely time. It was Triple M. I think it's probably time for me to move on. I mean, I have clearly moved. You have moved on. I've completely moved on from it. I That's think why it- you're leaving the country <laughs> <laughs> for a two-week holiday. I, I do. It is a good time for a holiday. But you're right. But my my question is really, it was, it was, um, it had, it had not, not so much about that, but I love the way that the AFL, in, when it's on a good day, the AFL does this really well. It grabs um, a, a charity or it grabs a cause like it did with the Pink Ladies, the Breast Cancer um, Network, yep. a few years ago and introduced, you know, all the women. We, you and I went and dressed in pink and stood in the G. Well, yes, um, we've, and we'll be doing it again this year, Corrie, in I, August. I love the way that the AFL, when it gets behind something, boy, does it get behind something. And so there's Neil Danaher, a champion of the game, much loved, everybody's best friend, um, and he acquires motor neuron disease. And it has, you know, been a slow and sad path. Although, you know, Neil is still active in his involvement, particularly with this organisation. I remember when I first heard the news, he was still working as at West Coast as their footy manager and he was being mooted maybe for a job at Melbourne at the time. And, and, and Essendon, I should say. It was towards the end of the Essendon Because he had been Melbourne coach. Yeah, yeah. I'm sorry, but was to come back to Essendon in some role and um, not as coach. And he was definitive he wasn't going to do it. And then um, the club rang a few senior journos and told them what was going on. And I, You would have been shocked. Oh, absolutely. And, and actually, to think it's almost five years ago since that news came out, or maybe four years ago, he's, and I, I've been at a lunch with him and it's getting harder now, you know, eating and talking, but he's still going, he's still doing it. 
still doing an unbelievable job. And this year to get all 18 AFL coaches to, to agree to go down that flipping slide. And you say the AFL, well, the AFL do get behind it, but it's a big thing for Melbourne because this was Melbourne's one – Melbourne are flying at the moment, but this was for a long time their one big blockbuster, their one game they could hang their hat on. Remember that famous game they – played poor old Jack Watts who was barely out of school and not ready as a pure marketing tool and he got absolutely slaughtered by Collingwood that year. But anyway, he's now gone to Port Adelaide and that's all over. But that was one of their big money spinners and Neil and the MND Ice Bucket Challenge has become, the big freeze has taken over really for them in a similar way that for a couple of years the Maddie Revolt, Maddie's vision took over a lot of the St Kilda fundraising. People didn't want to give money to St Kilda. They wanted to put money towards what Nick and Jack and all the revolts had done for Maddie Revolt to raise money for her cause. Now, I can understand why that that makes it tough for Melbourne. It's an interesting Mm. conundrum, but I think in the end they're smart enough to see that in terms of branding and in terms of doing the right thing and in terms of looking and celebrating someone who was so unbelievably good for their football club, you're right, it's absolutely brilliant. It'll be a massively watched event. Well, and, and you know, it just shows that they're a class act because they're thinking big picture, which is, you know, what a lot of the clubs, I must say, do and they don't well, have... Well, it, it got a life of its own, Corrie. It did. They it didn't did. really have much say in it, really. It's just run away and... I just want everyone who's going, you know, if you're going to the footy this weekend or if you're watching it on the telly and the little you know ticker tape thing comes up at the bottom like Pete and I did last year we were so there was a really moving interview on air with Neil and a few gags because he's still you know he's got a great sense of humor and then the little phone number came up and Pete said we're going to donate and we did you know I'm sorry it's a second donation I, I, I stress we're not that philanthropic you're just a we... philanthropist <laughs> Who else have you donated to this week? No, you know, just sitting there, just nothing else to do. No, it was really, it really affected us. And I know that when you go to the grounds this weekend, there'll be, you know, can shaking and all of that. So please just have a think about... it's called tin rattling, not can shaking. Can shaking? Shake the cans? (laughs) Sorry. That just conjures up another whole mental picture, which I just think I'll forget about now. Sorry, Corrie. Okay. Sorry. I'll go back to the tins. Shall I clean it up? You're blushing, Caro. And it is, it is... Look at but, and but they have they have already with this massive amount of money that they've raised over the last few years for um, motor neuron disease they 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 have been doing amazing research. There's re- there are regular updates in the paper, in particular on Channel Seven, about what you know what the um, funding has been up to. So it's just a, keep giving yeah, everyone. It's a terrifying disease. And just finally, I remember when I was first um, hosting the afternoon program at Three AW, and we managed to secure an interview with um, the Duchess of York, Sarah Ferguson, and everyone said that we were paying her, and you know, blah blah blah, and it was a disgrace. And she arrived late, and we almost didn't get the interview, but we did it, and. Um, I thought it went okay, you know, it wasn't an unbelievable interview, but he, in fact, um, he didn't want any money, but he said, you have to give $50,000 to motor neurone disease, which I just had always remember that, that for some reason that was her charity and has been her cause for some reason. I don't know whether it was in her family, but just such an insidious, what does Neil Danaher call it, the beast? Just ter- it's insidious. such a terrible thing. And it's hard on families Disease. too, families and carers and friends. So um, give generously, everybody. Now, um, <laughs> maybe Barnaby, onto another topic, maybe Barnaby could give his 150000 or some part of it. Oh, that he it's, not for that me. it's not for me. It's not for me or Vicky. Interview. It's for Sebastian. It's for Jesus his school. It's, it's to pay his school fees. I mean, 
What what is was Sebastian going to have to fork out and pay his own school fees? Was he? you know you know the moment excuse. when you know the moment when that couple really lost me when Vicky with a little pinched face said everyone else is making money out of this kid except for him, and I thought that you've just like that, I'm, I'm out I'm, I have to turn off the television now. That it's just and as someone who's worked in the media, being a journo and a media advisor, how could she get it so wrong? Okay, so you know what this is? She cannot be a very good media advisor because she's not reading the room. She's not reading the mood mm. of the people. Shocking She should decision. have said to Barnaby, we are not doing this interview. Shocking decision for them. Great decision for Channel 7. They got their money's worth because people are going to be talking about this for a long time. The media, You could almost do a clear thinking exercise on it. Not really disappointing that the questioning didn't probe further into the way she was moved around from department to department and how much public money was spent on keeping this secret and keeping her in a job. And then the question, when did you get together? Well, we know that there are financial consequences because if they were actually in a room together at night, was he staying at her place and claiming parliamentary allowances? Like, it's quite important to know. It's not just because we're gossipy. Well, we are as well. But we want to know, when did it begin? Tell us how... And they were so shy and coy and refusing to answer. It was just so inadequate, this and, interview. Well, that, that's because um, they're worried about the, the whole money aspect and, you know, when she was being paid and the inappropriate nature of their relationship. So they couldn't answer it. What about when she said she tried to buy abortion med- medicine... Abortion medicine? Did she mean the morning after pill or oh, yeah. whatever the well, medicine that's, that's is? That's how I read it. Would, well, I don't. I think it must have been more than that. But anyway, are you four x six? I think it was. You can't. You can't buy it in Canberra, so she had to go online. But then she drove out of the state and drove to a chemist outside of the outside of the territory. So did she go online or did she drive out of the territory? And also, why is she telling Vicky, us this? Because, well, because she's trying to make us, you know, pull at our heartstrings. And so we're all meant to hate the National Party people who told us she had to get rid of the... I mean, I can't believe that either. I can't believe that people said get rid of the baby. I mean, I, I just found the whole thing... And I, I didn't actually watch it live, but I did watch it for the pur- purposes of this podcast because I knew you wanted to discuss it. And I'm just disgusted by both of them. And it just, again, makes me feel so sick that he was actually Deputy Prime Minister. Oh, he has to leave Parliament, Caro. He cannot survive this. this just is, go. This, just just go. go, Barnaby. We're not interested. Go away. You're a fool. <laughs> now, Corrie, on a more cheerful note... BSF. Yes. You're actually going to take hold of this today, or oh, most am of I? it. Because you're going to tell us about a place we met many years ago oh, as young we couples. Did. We did. And we kept going back because we loved it so much, even though we probably couldn't afford it. Okay, so messages. Um, here I'm holding up, and you can see it through your microphone. It's a beautiful, big, heavy coffee table book called Three Decades on Lake House and Dalesford. People's Stories and Recipes from a Place We Love. So the author of this is Ulla Wolf Tusker. And Ulla, um, who's, uh, who was um, born to Russian migrant parents, uh, she and her husband, Alan, 30 years ago decided they were going to just up, from the, up sticks from the city and move to the beautiful area of Dalesford in central Victoria, probably about an hour and 20 minutes um, drive from Melbourne CBD. And their dream was to create uh, a guest house with a lovely restaurant. And boy, have they succeeded. This is but one of succeeded the, for so It's been so enduring, which has. is unusual, isn't it? And do you know why, Caro? The other day when I was interviewing her on radio, I realised that she. I realised why she. Why? Because she is 
tough and fair. You know, she, she's really focused and she's never lost her focus about, you know, that business. And she told me off air that they've had a couple of curly moments, you know, in business. It hasn't all been rosy, but she's tough. But she also still at her age is still completely passionate about not just the food that she creates and the guest house uh, that they have, but the growers um, in the area and the artisans. So at the back of this book, this is a, this is, this is a, I would never call it a cookbook, Caro. Um, it is a memoir with food at its heart, and there are lots of recipes, so that's fun. But it's also the Tasker's um, journey through their lives together with this place. And also at the back, there's wonderful celebration of all the growers in the region, so people who make goat's cheese and people who make honey and um, you know, this is the the best birds in the business, Bruce Burton and Milking Yard Farm. And he has, you know, the best chooks, according to Allah. And there's a beautiful photo of Allah holding the chooks. It's just a really, really great... Who was it who arrived at your house one day with all those beautiful cold cuts from near Dalesford? Um, oh, they were... There was I was, there? Yeah, well, it was... A, it, it was a, it, it's a place called Istra. And, um, but it was, there was someone... Someone who, a friend of yours, and they came to lunch and they had all these amazing salamis and prosciuttos and oh, it, it was the most beautiful stuff I have ever tasted. I can't remember. You okay. sure it was me? Yeah, it was Maybe def- I'd had the hostess one too many glasses of champagne yeah, before was, the guests arrived. It was definitely. Yeah. Anyway, um, Potties, this is a really beautiful book. I'll tell you why you should buy it. I mean, it's it's not inexpensive. It's seventy bucks, but um, the Tusk the Tuskers themselves have actually self published this, so I think that's always an incredibly brave thing to do. The paper stock and the quality of the photographs is second to none. It's just one of the finest. You mean they books. haven't gone to a publishing house? No, they've done it themselves, yeah. So it's really beautiful. Um, But the other thing is that this is a beautiful book to keep or, in fact, to give um, because it celebrates a part of Victoria. Now, so often in our bookshop um, we receive – people come in and say, oh, I've just had two lovely weeks, you know, visiting Victoria or something. Have you got any books? And we have none. There's no Great Ocean Road book. There's no, you know, Goldfields of Victoria, nothing. But this book now kind of ticks so many boxes. So great book. Um, Do yourself. A favour, as Molly would say, and that beautiful area of sort of Malmesbury and Dalesford. Anyway, it's just, it's absolutely gorgeous. I haven't been there for years, but the other thing is, she obviously keeps changing. Yeah, I think she's she's got a very sort of modern evolving. Mind. I yeah. think it's a well, word. she's got a very modern mind, and because she's a mentor to so many young chefs, and she's really worked hard with um, the local councils and so on to develop you know mentoring programs. So bringing chefs and and waiters, waiting staff and all of the people who are involved in the guest house, bringing them into the network. I think, as she said, you know, young people keep you young. And um, I, full, full marks to them for this beautiful book. Now, Caro, last speaking, night, speaking <laughs> of evolving. Um, this week, um, the new series of Mystery Road started. Yes. Now, it, it's evolved because this was something that was an absolute love project of the main characters. And it's now being remade into – it was been remade – I think it's – I don't know if it's a sequel six part, it's or a, a six, prequel. It's a six-part series, but it complements the movie, I think, that yeah. came out a couple of years ago. Starring Aaron Pedersen, who I must say I used to think was Australia's biggest over-actor – but I think he's absolutely... What do you mean biggest over... Oh, overacting. He overacted. Oh, okay. Sorry. Yeah, sorry. Pretty simple. Yeah, no, I didn't get that. But, you know, he's, he was fantastic in the Jack Irish series and he gets better and better. You know, he's, he's done comedy and he's done serious stuff. He's very good in this. And he is complimented by a great cast this time around. There's Judy Davis, who, funnily enough, plays the sister 
of Colin Friels, who in fact in real life it's has her husband. been her husband. Um, John Waters is plays Judy Davis's ex-husband, who's also a local shonky lawyer. But it's about the disappearance of a young Indigenous boy who in fact is a top 10 draft pick and has come back from the city, which we take to be Melbourne, on holidays and is working for the local, the big local Landowner, Land the, cattle, the cattle holding, yeah. Uh, Judy Davis is the cop who, for the entire series, apparently never gets out of her police uniform to sort of tell us that she's pretty much married to her job. But how sexy does she look in her, um, yeah. with her holster around her hips? I and know. <laughs> Woody Allen would have. Do you think it was true about her and Woody No, Allen? Anyway. I don't. No, don't but, say anything bad about Woody. I'm not, but, I'm not saying anything bad. Well, I but mean, I could, cast, but I'm not. I mean, not. Deborah Mailman plays the mother of the this mother Indigenous kid. There are two boys fantastic. who go missing. One is a one is a um, a white boy who's who's a, allegedly a backpacker, but there's some sort of secret past to him. And then the other one is, as you said, this footy recruit. But Deborah Mailman is his mother. He's fantastic, who's super. Isn't she? And Wayne Blair, who plays the um, Larry, who's um, the boy's uncle, who's been in the clique for a few years. I know. Do you and think comes he's guilty back. Or not? Oh, I just it's just you know the way this is shot. Isn't it just beautifully it, it photographed? Beautiful. Rachel Perkins is the director. She is a star. Well, she, yeah, she's, she's a fa- always been a she's star. She's a fantastic director. And Brendan said, Brendan liked it. He said, a little bit slow moving, and a few people have made that comment to me. I don't know, maybe oh, I'm getting old and boring. I was in the moment. I absolutely loved it. And what about when it was a double episode? Yeah. So, so you just, thought it was over, I, and then there was another whole episode. It was like night, like a Netflix <laughs> night, wasn't it? <laughs> but I see now, I don't. why do they put everything now on iView so you can actually watch the whole thing? Well, I don't know. I, I don't know why they do that. I mean, yeah. probably, it, look, maybe people watch it on iView and then watch it again on a Sunday night. I don't know. But, look, they've created the product, so maybe they're trying to get as many bites of the cherry that they can. But one of the things I love about this, you must, you must have a look at this um, this show, everyone. It's a really great TV series. and Sunday I love, night's Channel 2. I love the way they've captured the landscape and the colours, but often you'll get an, a bird's eye view, which is the way Indigenous people do their art so often. And you just get that bird's eye view of the landscape, the you know the, the vegetation, is, and and then it, how often does it look like a Fred Williams painting? It does. That that scene where Judy Davis and uh, Aaron Pedersen are looking over, over from the hill down to, mm. to try and find where where these missing cattle might be, and they they see something and they realise there's blood, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. That that shot is absolutely brilliant. You're right, and no, no. Highly recommend it. Highly recommend it. Mystery Road. Um, now, Corey, despite me giving you a good local tip of the roast pork at the IGA, which you can buy and basically pass off as your own, any IGA, they have the best roast pork in the roast chicken section. I was not going to do that for, for your family big lunch. family lunch. Well, you were doing one dish, and I said just for the second one, do that. But instead, you did something that I was very concerned about. Yes, well, so was Enzo, the butcher. Because I went down there on Friday morning and said, I'm thinking of doing brisket on Sunday for lunch. And he looked very concerned. And he said, how long are you cooking it for? And I said, oh, I think the recipe said three hours, which I was actually wrong about. And he was like, oh, no, I'd be cooking it for five. So when I got home, I checked the recipe. So this recipe, Caro, is from one of my favorite cookbooks, The Blue Ducks, who, you know, have the place in Bronte Beach in New South Wales and also Byron Bay. The Blue- Ewingsdale, in fact, near Byron Correct. Bay. Yes. Well, not that far from Byron Bay. Um, it's called The Blue Ducks Real food. This cookbook came out about five years ago. It's been one of our best sellers um, in terms of, you know, people who love that casual beachy. We sell a lot of copies during summer. I love this book so much. So I've been eyeing off this recipe for a few months and decided to embark on it and it's called Home Style Brisket with Coffee Spice Rub. So basically you buy the brisket however much you need but it's this coffee rub which is the amazing thing. So it's a tablespoon of 
cumin seeds, a tablespoon of coriander seeds, a tablespoon of smoked paprika, a tablespoon of garlic powder, a pinch of chili powder, a tablespoon of salt flakes, a tablespoon of brown sugar, and a tablespoon of ground coffee. So oh, you t- so not international roast. No, no, not your Nescafe. <laughs> So you toast the cumin and coriander seeds um, in a fry pan until they're fragrant and lightly coloured. I almost burnt mine, but that's okay. And then you just mortar and pestle them away and grind them into a powder and then add all the remaining ingredients and then rub half of it, not all of the amount, but the rest I put in a jar and I'm going to keep in the pantry. Rub it over your brisket. Then you put your brisket in the oven on a 150 oven. Cook it for five hours, I reckon. We did four. And my nephew, Jake, who is a uh, chef at um, Jackalow, one of the restaurants at Jackalow on the Mornington Peninsula. Oh, very impressive. Well, it's always very, it's always very handy having Jake when you're having an episode because I pulled the brisket out after the four-hour mark. He said, we need to just soften it a bit. It needs to pull away, like pull away pork. So you cook it in water and you've got to seal it really tight. And I said to him, you know, as he was helping me tenderize it, what did I do wrong? And he thinks I didn't put the alfoil tight enough on the pan. So the air, you've got to make sure that the air can't get through. So it's really baking and it's juicy. Oh, so seal it as in with tinfoil, yeah. not seal it as in yeah, pre sorry, fry no, it, no, it. No, not sear it, seal it. Okay. Seal it with your alfoil. So then what Jake did, we pulled it out and it was okay, but it was just a little tough. It wasn't falling away. So it, Jake then just pops it all, strips it all off and and puts it in a um, saucepan. He's having a beer while we're waiting for lunch to cook and everybody else is doing all the other courses. And he pours a bit of his beer in, adds a few more spices and everything, and he then cooked it for another half hour. The reason I had to get out of the oven after the four-hour mark was because my sister-in-law, our dear friend, Wardy, said, I've got to cook my pumpkin. So I had to get out. It's always a thing with slow cooking. You need to, yeah. You've got to have that oven to yourself. Yep, you do. You do. You have to, if if it's potatoes, mash them. Oh, Caro, I should have have got up at 7 a.m. and put it Mm. in the oven and got out of her way. But, you know, so that's always a really interesting thing you forget when you're doing a slow cooking thing you've got to get out of the oven for other stuff anyway this stuff this is this was amazing but we'll put the coffee rub recipe on the facebook um you could do it for any meat you like it's so a can you winner. explain brisket it's not corned beef no it's um now enzo told me what part of i think it's the underneath the gut underneath the tummy of the um of the beef he told me where it is in the animal's position but it's like a, it's lo- it looks like a um not as pink as a corned beef, but it looks like corned beef. So it's, um, it is a sinewy sort of meat. It is really like pull-away pork. I wish I'd bought your little – I had a package for you and a Tupperware to bring. I wish I'd bought it. But this is, this is the most delicious, you know, thing I okay, think I've ever I'll made. Okay, I'll give it a try. I'm very impressed. Yeah. But you know, Corrie's brisket and coffee rub recipe from the Blue Ducks cookbook. With, with um, my lovely nephew, Jake, helping me. Thank you. Now, um, can I be grumpy today? Sure. Now, I know... What have you got to be grumpy about? You've got to go on holiday. I know packing makes me grumpy, and I know it's a first world problem, and I know that's a cliche. Didn't, so we, I do, won't, didn't we do packing last time? Well, particularly when I've decided away. only to take cabin luggage this time, which is um, your 333 recipe <laughs> rule doesn't even fit. Hey, come on. It works perfectly. There was a lot to do before Bodies, you when go you go away. away. Three dresses... Three pairs there's of pads. waxing and polishing. Oh, and God. There's just a lot to do. Anyway, I'm not going to be grumpy about that either. But I am going to be grumpy about bureaucracy. For years, you didn't need an international driver's license. Who knew? You can't hire a car overseas now without an international driver's license. Have you tried to do that the day before you go away? When You can, you can only get them at RACV shops. Why didn't your travel agent warn you? Well, she didn't. 
remember. <laughs> She's sacked. No, we only know because some friends of ours who we're meeting overseas rang and said, get a licence because we've had to hire a driver. They wouldn't let us rent a car. In- What's wrong with a train or a bus? Well, because we're going to a pl- Anyway. Okay. This segues into what I'm really grumpy about, which is shopping malls, which I know we were grumpy about last week. I've done the equivalent of the TAN this morning to get from the RACV in my said shopping mall, which was Chadston this morning, to Boopa, where I had to make a claim because my husband has had three claims that date back more than two years. Oh, well, you're just wanting spending money for your trip. If they date back more than two years, they don't. you can't claim them. Oh. There's a statute so you didn't of limitation. Well, <laughs> I did only because I got a particularly nice woman in the Boopa store who let me claim I it. I bet she said, are you Caroline Wilson? No, because I'm, my, as you know, my real name's Julia and Honor, and I, I look terrible. And then I had to do a photo for my international driver's license. I could not have looked more unattractive or grumpy. And there's queue at the RACV. That was the other thing. There were 10 people in front of me all wanting international driver's licenses. It was outrageous. They, like banks, do they have a personal service assistant as well to help you no, but find they, the right queue? They did at Boopoo and it was a lovely young man who had begged to get a job in work experience there and he was so sweet. So that was fine. Segway again onto passports. Why don't they just say the passport is only valid for nine and a half years? Because it's not valid for 10 years. You pay for 10 years. My passport expires You're in November. You're thumping the desk and all, you every time away. you thump, the potties out there are going, oh, I go away in June, but my passport is not due to expire till November, but I have to get a new passport. When did you discover this? Well, a few weeks ago. Oh, okay. So you've solved the problem. But, you know, that, that's don't you think that's ridiculous? Oh, look. And, and they keep saying, oh, you know, this country. I said, no, no, it's every other country overseas. is fine. It's every really European hard. country fine. It's Australia. It's really hard going to Greece for Which holidays. is a horrible place to come back to because people at Melbourne Airport are so horrible. So there's my long list of grumpy things today. Okay, well, look, you know, go, go and get rid of that steam <laughs> out of your engine and, you know, sit by a pool and enjoy the Adriatic. Now, um, Caro, question. Should Gary Ablett be inducted as a Hall of Fame legend of the game? No, very easy. Um, oh. Gary Ablett should not be a legend of the game. I hate to be brutal, but I even opposed him being admitted into the Hall of Fame. And I was on the selection committee when it happened. And um, someone wrote an article this saying was because that, he was involved in drugs. Well, he was involved in an incident with a young woman by the name of Alicia Horan, who overdosed in a hotel room in Melbourne. And he was there when it happened and was not able... Well, look... She was a much younger woman. It was an unsavoury, dreadful, tragic incident. And his involvement, and it was clearly a drug overdose with this woman, means that he will always, in my view, be tainted by what happened to young Alicia Horan. And I just think the AFL would never be able to look her family or her friends or her wider community in the eye. I'm sad that Gary Gary Ablett was inducted into the Hall of Fame as a member and he didn't come. His manager made the speech on behalf of him or accepted it on behalf of him. And I don't think that... um I just don't think some some things are just too serious. Okay, Corrie. So no. Now um, I'm fascinated by this this story about the um, what's it going to be called the NGV modern or the NGV contemporary contemporary. What are your thoughts on this and the fact that it's going to be crowdfunding that's going to bring it about? Well, I can remember when I was at The Australian a decade ago writing a story about how they were going to turn the back of the arts centre and the NGV into some sort of cultural precinct. So this story has been going. You're 
your husband, Brendan, would have covered this as part of his state political round 30 years ago, I reckon. But what's the catalyst has been is that the state government's going to buy that um, rather large uh, Carlton United Breweries building, which is at the back of the NGV in South Bank. Love and the symbolism of turning the brewery <laughs> into a gallery. Love they've, it. They've, they've allocated $150 million and they're going to spend the next sort of five to seven years redeveloping this site and turning most of it into a gallery space, which will be for contemporary art, because the St Kilda Road building and NGV at Fed Square, which is the Australian gallery, no, no longer have enough room. So, okay, that sounds great and, you know, we've got a lovely gallery and it's very popular, but, Caro, really, who's going to fund it? The government hasn't said that – Daniel Andrews in that election announcement, which well, it was really yesterday. Million. But they're saying that they want people to give. The Victorians have got to give. So they're – well, yeah, but it's not going to – it won't buy them cooey, that. Well, they want a billion. Yeah, and they're just putting it on the hard word on Victorians again. So oh, I, reckon I just there think there are a lot of a lot of rich Victorians. Hold will put back their... your announcement until you've got all your ducks and drakes in a row. That's all I'm saying, Carol, on that one. Now, how um, extraordinary, by the way, that we have an opposition arts minister called Heidi Victoria. Yeah, well, she, no, she's been she was arts minister for ages under yeah, but the Bailey isn't government. Isn't that amazing? Yeah, well, that's her surname. Heidi Victoria. Yeah, that's her surname. And but she's, Heidi, she's you know, looking good. She's Heidi, lost the gallery. Of, she, yeah, I know, but she's lost it's like lots Graham of Richmond. I mean, no, it's just no, a no. very unusual um, Okay, so off topic, what's the very first thing you're going to do when you sit down for your long plane ride tomorrow? Well, Corrie, that's a ridiculous question. Why? Why? <laughs> because what do you think I'm going to do? <laughs> oh, Corrie, I don't some know. people look at the menu, some peruse the film guide. I accept. A glass of champagne if offered one. And if I'm not offered one, I ask for one. buy one. (laughs) What a ridiculous question. I was just hoping you might say something like, I get all my nail... I do, halfway through the trip, I get all my little nail files and cleaners and new nail polish. You're not allowed to take that on holiday. You're not allowed to take them on planes anymore. I think I snuck it in. It's not that long since you've gone away, surely. (laughs) Speaking of, um, you're not going away anywhere sunny in the next couple of months. No. I know you're a bit grumpy about that too. Do you get mad or get even, Corrie? No, I had an epiphany the other day, Carol. I was really, as you said, I was grumpy. You observed. <laughs> and part of my grumpiness was because of this cold winter. It was a talk ahead. of Melbourne. It was a talk of Melbourne, your grumpiness last week. No, I'm only joking. You are not. <laughs> I see you can't not go to a girls' night, Jane. They talk about you. It's just. No, no, you're no. Rude. No, I'm only What a joke. pack of, you know, what's. Um, so. Uh, I've decided that I'm going to embrace this, Caro. Uh, like how, for a lot of my life, I've never been in the sunshine in, over winter. Oh, I've suffered many Corrie, Melbourne winters. Right back at you, sister. <laughs> but how many games of footy can you cover and what about watch? What about that great year a few years ago when we were neither of us were going away and you resurrected that old card board game, Kelly yes. Anta Poker yeah, Rummy? Yeah, we did. So we've got cards, but that's when you get back. Um, Coco and I have decided there are about three or four films we want to see. I'm going up to Ballarat to spend more time. I'm up there over winter. Put on your, your granddaughter. Put on your woolies, hey? <laughs> I'm a bit cold up there. But, yeah, lo- lots of lots of things to do. So the vegetable boxes have been built. Um, so we're going to put in our veggie patch over winter. Not a lot that we can do with that over winter, but we're going to get started and read lots of books and um, watch Netflix. So And go to the – there are a couple of ballet – ballet with Australian ballet things I want to see. So And, of course, yes. the NGV is having the um, Mona exhibition. So uh, MoMA. So um, – Lots to look forward to. There you oh, go. And you know what? I'm back in two and a half weeks, so you oh. won't have to miss me for too oh, long. Oh, all hail the chief. <laughs> Yay. Oh, my life is complete now. Something to look forward to. Um, now, oh, last week we were talking about my 
school reunion, and you mentioned that when you had your school reunion, you ran into a girl who you'd bullied. And I was thinking about it driving home, whether you'd actually bullied people at school. Can you remember actually bullying someone in all seriousness? Or were you ever bullied yourself? Good question. No, I, I was thinking about this. I mean, I, I also I told the story of Barry Humphreys ringing up someone yes, years right. and years later, a boy he'd bullied in junior school whose sandwiches he'd destroyed. Now, I, I think bu- bully has become a very serious and political word these okay, days. Okay, well, let's say um, no, give a hard time to Because no, I agree, it can be political bully. Yep. Now, bully. I don't. I, I would say that there was a period um, in grade six when my gang of friends all ganged up on me and it was one of the most miserable times of my life. I'd get to school every day and they would hide from me and I would never know where they were. I mean, you look back on that and it ha- went on for about a week or two. Why? Well, they just all decided they didn't like me for a few weeks and I think it happened to most people in our group. But there were t- girls are not very nice. Didn't happen to nothing's changed. Didn't happen to everyone, but it certainly happened, and it didn't happen often to me. So, how did you cope? Did you tell your parents? Oh, it was terrible. And then, um, and mum explains a lot, really. I don't. I don't. This is so weird that I remember this, but it it was around the time that Charlie Girl was on in Melbourne on the stage, starring Johnny Farnham Farnham and Derek Nemo and Dame Anna Nagel. I still remember it so well, and mum. To be to cheer me up, got he bought tickets for Charlie Girl, and I asked three friends in a row, and not one of them <gasps> wanted to come. And it stayed with you. Oh, I have tears. I know. Oh, and that's then, so sad. And then, and then I did this project on Australia, and I'd found these great maps that you could trace and blah blah blah. And I remember one day they all started being nice to me in class and saying, "That's a great project. Where do you get these? They're all you know, well done." And then one of them took the the whole thing and said, can I show so-and-so? And And I looked around and they were all copying my maps. Doesn't that mean? (laughs) So you were bullied. You weren't the bully so much. It was just ganging up. No, but I'm sure. You didn't repeat the behaviour. I look back and there were certain people in our year that it never occurred to me at the time, but I look back and we weren't very nice to them. Well, there was a chap at our 40th reunion last week and I said, I said, oh, hi. And I looked at the name on the tag and it didn't mean a thing to me. And he said, oh, hi, Corrie. And I said, I don't remember you. He said, yeah, that'd be right. And I thought, I walked away and I thought, well, A, very uncomfortable conversation. But yeah. B, did I just ignore people like that? Had no idea who he was. Yeah, well, I I've probably went pe- through school yeah, not knowing I've who he was. I've had people say to me at my, at my school reunion that you were never very nice to me and you girls were all very mean. There was a groovier gang than us, a tougher gang than us. But we were, you know, in the echelon of gangs. We were sort of probably in the top four. And... um you know, well, it can't have been pleasant for a lot of people. Being, being beneath you. Yeah, and, and I know I mean, what that's like. I know what it's like oh, to be your lesser person. Oh, get over yourself. I was, I was um, not, I'm not using the word bullied word, but I was given a hard time by, by Kerry Armstrong, the actor, who was actually a couple of years older than me at school. And we had this lunchtime thing of British Bulldog, and she knew I was the weakest link. She knew we, – we, three three year levels played this game on the front oval. I was terrible at that. And because I, I, was, I, was a sl- I was a slow runner, and she'd get me every time, and I was humiliated to the point where I stopped playing it. Was this when she I was, was really wearing bikinis devastated. on Channel 7 no, no, being before, their weather girl? Just before that, just before that. She was a child. <laughs> okay, what else? Um, now you've That's got, it. Oh, I've got That's a crush. You've got I just a crush want to say I've got week. a crush, yeah. Venus and Serena Williams. Serena, because she's had a baby a few months ago, she's coming up, or by the time potties have listened to this, hopefully she's won her round match um, in oh, the French the Open. Oh, the grudge match against Maria Chavre. 
Sharapova, which will be I fantastic. But, but also, I Ven- mean, not really kills her, but but also Venus Williams, her sister, who is older by one year, was recently the cover girl on Entrepreneur magazine, and they were talking about all that Venus does in her business world, how she's created this amazing ethic in this sportswear company that she's now at three hundred percent on sales year by year since she took it over five years ago. Amazing success story. But both girls, Caro, give heaps of money to philanthropic enterprises. They have a thing called the, the, the Williams Sisters Foundation, but they also have their own individual foundation. So now that I'm on my philanthropic bent, having given to the friends of the ABC, they are now my role models. They are my crushes. Go, Serena. And that cat suit, man, you look hot, babe. She looked better in the cat suit than she did at the wedding, didn't she? <laughs> I mean, to be brutal. But, you know, it's just a pity that occasionally they've shown really poor sportsmanship and spoken very badly to umpires. And I was so disappointed I think they're growing up. by the behaviour of um, Daria Gavrilova, who smashed about four rackets and has had the propensity to be rude to ball girls as well. Uh, Aussie, Daria, Dash. So I just, yeah, that's my one rider. But I think she's been unbelievable. Serena, yeah. as a, what an amazing athlete. They are. And, and, and what an indictment on women's tennis that she's just had a baby and come back and no one can still – well, Ash Barty had a good crack at her, but they just can't beat her. Oh, she's, she's fabulous. So, oh, so there you go. And you've got a good local tip today. I do. Um, and I, you notice I've brought in both you – and Jane, I brought you both in some lemon oh, cordial. Oh, yes, thank you. Because I picked every lemon from my dad's trees and my trees, and I thought that would be a little cheering farewell parting gift. Mm, drinks at my house tomorrow night, Jane. But my good local tip is from mum, from my mother. This is the cyclamen season, Corrie. Your cyclamen, which I think they are so pretty. I don't care if they're bright pink, red. I do love the white ones in a beautiful pot, inside or they're out. They're so hard to keep happy, though. Corrie. No longer will you have this problem. What you do is you sit them in a lovely pot, like you've got them in the plastic thing. Mm. You put that into a nice bowl or pot or whatever you've got and you sit it in about, and I'm holding up about, what's that, about? Four centimetres, I'd say, five centimetres. Of sea salt. So you you mix sea salt in the amount you're meant to mix with water and sit it in that. So you put that in the ceramic bowl. Yeah, and and then you sit the pot inside it. Your cyclamen will continue to flower, pull off the dead ones occasionally. I reckon you'll get a good two months out of it. Oh. Jewel's tips for keeping okay. cyclamen. That was not really Caro's tip. It's Jewel today. Well, you can bring a tip from someone She's overseas else. as well, and we're going to have her telling us about her travels when she gets oh, back. She'll be landing in New York as So we we're speak. going to miss you, Caro, but have a nice time. Jane and I promise not to be grumpy. No, no. Look up at Corrie. It'll be. It'll go in no time. Oh, will it? And we're all plan- we're secretly planning another trip for next year, aren't we? So we that's are. the one I'm really excited about. I'm allowed about. to go on that one. Thank you, everybody, for listening. She's invited me, and you've organised it. What are you talking about? You've done the guest list. You're a disgrace. And your feedback. Please don't forget to rate us via Apple Podcasts and Facebook. It helps others find our podcast. Send us your thoughts, ideas and feedback via email. Feedback at don'tshootpod.com.au And, of course, on our Facebook page or Twitter feed or leave a note on our Caro and Corrie Instagram page. Did you have my permission to put that picture up of me walking along the pier with my dog? I told you when I was taking the photo. This Mm. would be a good one for Instagram. He said, so long as my bottom doesn't look big. Yeah, it sort of does, but I suppose it is. Only if you zoom in on it. How closely did you look at it? We do. It's a beautiful one of you and your dog. We do have a special bonus Q&A episode coming up. Oh, thank God I'm not vain while I'm away and we'll continue to do footy tipping each week. So stay listening. And Corrie, don't shoot the messenger, Caro.